Now I can hear you. Can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, there we are. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Still there? I'm here. Can there you hear go. me? Okay, good. Yep, got her set up. Oh, First time. my goodness. <laughs> that only took 40 minutes. Hey, man, they say <clears throat> to have perseverance. You know, with his good grace, buddy, he's going to will it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, you know what? I never expect uh, these 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 struggles, but it's each step I do this, and each time I have this experience, it sure. opened my eyes to the possibilities. Because, I mean, I knew starting podcasts that I would struggle through this, and my biggest right. fear, Curtis, was. I don't have a clue what to do, man. I don't know yeah, where yeah. to start. I just like you and me fumbling around there, but yeah. you know what? We prevailed. So I'm so going. grateful. Yeah. Um, what I would love to do, Curtis, if you'll allow me to, is just to introduce you right, and, sure. and just have a, a quick introduction. I, I, you know, formalities for me aren't the biggest thing. It's just to honor you and, 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 and our opportunity to have our conversation again and record it. And, you know, my journey with you, like I told you in our phone conversation yesterday, is to reach out and see where we can uh, serve others. Serve the Lord, of course, brother, 100%. Is, is, I know our journey and our, our path is, uh, is his plan. So um, if you don't mind, I'm going to just open up my quick little introduction. And I wrote, I'm compelled to find the right words today to honor Curtis and the relationship and belief structure he has mentored me while exploring our faith. So, brother, thank you again. I'm glad you're here. You have so much wisdom, and I want to honor you and say that uh, you've helped me uh, open my eyes to possibilities and to our faith. And and um, so thank you for being here and doing this with me. Uh, I, I will ask the, a few questions. It'll help us to get things going in marinade. Um, for sure. And, and then we can just let it flow and see where we go with it. So what I thought I'd, I'd start with is Curtis... Uh, I think we relate when it comes to hyper-masculine, testosterone-driven culture we've both grown up in, but different, in different ways, just like many men. Um, you served in the military. You're a good old Alberta open-range cowboy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I, I grew up on the mean streets, I said, uh, in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, fought my way up. Uh, you know, it was a struggle. It was a, a cool experience. I've had lots of good times. I have a loving family, but... Uh, it helped me to be fortunate enough to channel into my com into competitive sports. My question for you, Curtis, why do you think we choose not to be ourselves, to appease others for acceptance? And how does this affect our identity when we become men? Well, and I think it's uh, the biggest struggle that all of us have as men is trying to figure out identity, trying to figure out who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do. Um Faces are easy to put on. Masks are easy to put on. Um, what's interesting is uh, when I grew up in a little town in Saskatchewan, one of the things that we did is we had little plays that we always put on, little skits and plays. And I got into performance, and then we had high school dramas that I was in. And that got me interested in acting. 
And uh, my dad was very similar to that outgoing kind of master of ceremonies at many events. And I always thought acting was not being yourself pretending. Right. And then I went to acting college at Mount Royal college in Calgary for two years. I took the two year acting program from 96 to 98. And I remember I was taking some classes with a, a lady in town here who had been in lots of movies. She'd been in a movie with Russell Crowe and some of the big names in Hollywood. And she was teaching me how to act and her and her husband. And they, uh, the scene we were going to read in practice in their little studio with another actor. And I said, well, do you want me to just read it or do you want me to act it? <laughs> and he, and he looked at me like I was right out of my mind. And because I didn't know the difference, I thought it was just acting and acting is. So what it really came down to was being myself. I didn't know what that meant. Oh. You just have to be yourself in imaginary circumstances. So yes, you're pretending that you're a cop in a movie looking for a guy or something. Okay, that's fine. But how would Curtis do it? How would you do it if you were just yourself? So what was interesting is through all the struggles that I had, I went to acting college to learn how to be real. <laughs> which, which I thought was really interesting because Isn't that crazy? it basically taught me how to be Curtis and how to be real. So if I was really upset about something, what would I really be like if I was really upset about something instead of pretending and acting it? Because if you act it, it's not real. But if you're really yourself in those circumstances, even though they're imaginary circumstances, then you can come across as real. So when we see, you know, Jerry Maguire, we see Tom Cruise crying, saying, you complete me to his wife at the end of the movie in the big climax. He's crying how he would really be. He's emotional how he would really be. That's how he would feel if he was there. And so that's why we, it's sold to us and we'll, we'll buy it because it's so good. Is because they're just being themselves in those circumstances, right? So I think as men, that's really our biggest struggle is we're not wanting to be transparent or open because crying, tears, emotion, we always associate that with feminine side or females and not males in our culture especially and with all the gender concerns and issues and all of that men are not willing to to go there they don't want to show that I so i i think being ourselves obviously is the key if we can find out who we really are and be ourselves and be a transparent self i mean that's what everybody really wants right that's what everybody really wants so i had true. a i had a girlfriend in my 20s for a couple of years we dated and what she was looking for was me she kept telling me she just wants me to be me. But at that time, when I was Joe actor guy, I was kind of different. And then I was doing rodeo. And so I was like rodeo cowboy around my friends. And then when I worked with the military reserves, I was in the army reserves at the same time. I had quite a wild life. I was kind of the army guy. So I was like the actor, the army guy, the cowboy guy. And, you know, go to the bar and dance a lot and, uh, you know, just go out all the time. That's what I did before I got in church. I was socializing all the time. And so you kind of had these different, I don't know, hats that you would wear or facades that you would wear. And she came home and met my parents and she was visiting at my folks place by Regina on the little farm where mom and dad lived. And I was just myself there. And I didn't act anything. I was just a very transparent, normal myself around my parents I guess I never noticed this right because I was in my 20s and I you know I wasn't in touch as I am now I'm in my uh, late 40s now I'm able to understand myself but at that time 
you're not right you're in your mid mid to early 20s and you're just a mess <laughs> so so i was understanding my i was just myself around my folks just who i was you know no facade no and she was like that person that's what i'm looking for that's the guy that i love that that guy you him like not the actor not the army guy not the cowboy just him you just yourself right that transparent normal version of yourself and i guess i never really noticed it until years later i've been able to get in touch with it and understand that it's just being ourselves so people aren't interested people aren't interested in a facade right <clears throat> I, I, uh, you know what I, I'm lucky to, to listen to this. It, it, I, I thought of three words and you shared the, one of them facade awareness. Right. And another thing is me, because mm. you just described my past. <laughs> That's right. I promise yeah. you, and, and I'm so grateful for these opportunities, Curtis, because I'm recognizing the common tone in men and why I'm so compelled to have such good stories from men like yourself uh, shared on this platform to reach out because the, all men need to recognize we're all doing the same. We're all conditioned the same. Well, and absolutely. And, and we don't seem to be aware at that time. You, I heard you say that, that I was in my twenties. I, I didn't really get into touch. I didn't get in touch with that person and what I was doing and these facades right. and these hats that I was putting on to later in life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, and it hurts us. It hurts us. Yeah, exactly. And it hurts us when we're in our twenties because oh. we, that's, that's our forming years. That's usually when we meet our mate, if we're going to, that's when we're trying to develop some sort of uh, career. So everything is happening at that stage, right? That's a very important stage. And yet at that stage, it's like, we don't know anything. <laughs> right. We, we don't seem to be prepared for be, you know what I notice about these facades is I, I can see myself in my mind's eye, Curtis, back then when I was doing mm. the exact same thing as you just described. And what yeah. I was noticing is the reaction of people, Curtis, like a stage performance when that yeah. facade was being put on. And if that reaction um, came back and that, that response was positive, from others mm. i would continue the facade because i was looking right. i noticed i noticed now i didn't notice and then i was i noticed the response i didn't recognize that i i stayed in that character because they Absolutely. liked it and that's what they wanted from me and i wanted the acceptance i wanted the affirmation curtis so i continued it as i go later in life now and i jump forward and i have facades and hats still put on curtis i'm not liking me anymore I don't enjoy that about me because I haven't found the real Jerome. Oh, I know the real Jerome, but I'm not being the real Jerome. I'm I'm being this guy that they want me to be, right. and I can't play the the I can't play the tune anymore. I'm completely out of tune. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just using I'm just using these analogy words, but Curtis, I'm man, I'm so 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 lucky to have have you share that because it it it, it opens me up again. It fills my heart to know that I'm not the only one that has struggled. And I, and I, I want that tone and that message to be delivered that guys aren't alone out there, how they're thinking, what they're struggling with. We all go through it. And why not try to reach out 
to ones maybe that are going through it well, right yeah, now. And so. every guy wants to be validated. Every guy wants to feel like what they're doing matters, who they are matters. Every person wants that, but especially men, we need that validation. And typically men get that validation from a job, you know, if they have a long time career, but what if you don't have a career right away? Or what if you don't, you know, so there's this seeking of, well, who am I really? Well, you know, I did rodeo for a sport for 10 years but I wasn't really a rodeo cowboy because I didn't really spend most of my time doing that. I worked during the, the week as a painter and doing Joe jobs and odd jobs. I worked in the army reserves, but I wasn't a full-time soldier. And I did that for 16 years, but I wasn't a full-time soldier. So I really wasn't a soldier first or a cowboy first or, you know, so there was, so what were you? Well, you understand you're, I, I was just me, but of course, you're looking for an identity and you're looking for validation. And if you don't get that, you know, that you're just, you feel like you're broken and no good. And so men understand that this is all of us through our twenties, all of us through our thirties. And as we're young and as we're moving into trying to figure out what we're supposed to do, but our jobs don't need to validate us. Our sports don't need to validate us. Our accomplishments don't need to validate us. That's the big struggle that we have to get through and not letting those things take over. Right. It's who, so yeah, good. Just being ourselves for sure. Thanks brother. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, be, I, I what to share with you, become your journey. Uh, that this is the, this is a blueprint that is, is a guideline that I'm going to share as we go along. I haven't shared it with you yet, but I created it out of my experiences and why I, be, I called it become your journey mm. is be, it, it, I, I've, had enough experience in 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 struggle now and this this trauma that i experienced in my life um just like i would imagine a lot of other people have gone through in different avenues but become your journey is what we become right and and we're peeling back the layers and recognizing that these are chapters of our lives that that if we have enough character to take messages from we can become what we've always wanted to and it may it may take some men longer than others, but you know I, I want to be a a, a a beacon for them and a tool and a resource to show them that you know it's taken me longer. I, 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 like the common tone in my life has always been, there goes Jerome again, but uh, he's the late bloomer. He'll keep going. He's a dreamer and all these wonderful you know cliches for for for, for my description. But um, become your journey. I, I named it because. We seek externally what we have inside us, Curtis. Mm. And it's about what we become, and it's about learning about ourselves and loving ourselves, and we will find it right here. We do not – I think it's, it, it, it's um, misguided to believe it's somewhere out there. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to share that just to echo – um, just the good, uh, the good story that you were, I just wanted to jump off of what you were saying, because it, it, this, these conversations I love so much because it allows me to, uh, y- you know, it, it, if you don't know where it's going to go in these conversations, as soon mm-hmm. as we have these conversations, Curtis, it, the doors start opening. Holy, I can't believe Curtis went through this. My goodness. That right, I relate right, that to my life. Yeah. I wonder if other guys can, you know, resonate hey eh? mm-hmm. so thanks for that man i appreciate yeah, it of course uh, um curtis i had the audacity to drive 
try to go through life alone. Like I'm all that in a big bag of popcorn, I say. <laughs> right. But now I finally submit to his will and his plan for my life. I seem to have done this quite often in the past, believing that I can figure this out. But I wasn't prepared to cope with the failure. And, to, and I took it very personal when I fell. And it, it, this is true to my heart and very close to my heart because it, it, um, divorce came to my life and uh, I, I had to take a real look at myself. So the question mm. I had, and, and I thought you could uh, shed some light on it, is why do we go on the information we have at the time, not seeking guidance or direction for our, li our life's decisions? Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, why do we not seek direction? Why do we not? I think... The simple point is we don't recognize or understand or know uh, what is wrong or that there is something wrong. Um, I was a young instructor in the military. I was a master corporal. I'd just been promoted to master corporal and I got sent to teach regular force basic training in Wainwright. And I'd never taught a basic force, basic training before. And I never taught the courses before I'd been through it all. So, you know, kind of like being in school, you know what a teacher does, but you don't really know what you don't know. And all the instructors would tell me, well, you know, because they were long-term guys, they'd been there a lot longer. Any, any questions you have, let me know. Well, I didn't even know what to ask. And I think that was the problem. <laughs> I didn't even know what to know to ask to know. So how are you going to have, like, you're just so lost, right? And I actually got fired off that course because the instructor came in to assess one of my classes and I had got the class wrong or something and it had to be retaught. And they just realized I was over my head and didn't have the instruction or the understanding. I could teach and I had leadership ability. And that's why I'd gotten promoted as a junior leader. But I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready. And I just remember, like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to know. And yet I can do everything that they're doing. So it's not <laughs> like if somebody, if somebody showed me how to teach the class, I could do it because I was really good at it. But I just had no idea. So... I think it's almost like that in life, unless we actually stop and realize when something's not working and finally figure out like it's, there's something wrong here in this equation. And it's probably me because I'm the only constant in my life, right? Like when I have a broken relationship and then I had another broken relationship, then I had another broken relationship. There was only one constant in all those broken relationships. And that was me. And so I guess why we don't, why we won't, or why we don't want to seek for help is because probably two reasons we don't think there's anything wrong or we think it's somebody else. So uh, blame, blaming somebody else, right? The, uh, the narrative, the narrative from Genesis, which is interesting in Genesis three and whether you're, you're secular or whether you're a Christian and uh, you know, now I'm a Christian but whether you're looking at that story from a completely literal translation or you're looking at that story from a, from a figurative, when man sinned and took the fruit that he wasn't supposed to take from the woman who gave it to him, because the woman got deceived and gave him the fruit, as soon as God confronted him on it, the first thing he said was, well, it's not me, it's the woman. I didn't do it, it was her. And then he said, and it was her who you gave me. So the first thing we want to do as men, and that stems to our nature right there, is blame God and blame others. Blame her. It's her fault. 
well, she did it, and you you were the one who gave her to me, right? So this uh, taking ownership, I think, of our problems is probably the first thing you can do is realize that it is me. I'm the one that needs to change, not anybody else, right? So, Buddy, I love that answer. And, man, I'll tell you, I knew 100% that sharing like we're doing it would reveal exactly why I love being connected to you, man, because you are speaking my language. And, and I, and I, 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 I always write and jot a little something down just so I can reflect back and, and repeat and echo what you're saying. Um, bring all thoughts into captivity um, is what I've heard from mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, what we don't ask, the, we don't, um, we don't know the questions to ask. What, what a lot of mentors that I've listened to, these, are, these can be Christian men, successful men, and, and them reflecting on their lives. Ed Milet, I've listened to, Bob Proctor, and, and some of these guys, um, and, and they're, they're, they're driven, and it doesn't even matter this sector or, the, or, or their belief structure. It, it, the common tone is, is um, they're, they're honoring themselves and others who try need us to look, require us to look at and reflect back at the system that we bought to go through that portion of our lives, why we failed, what was the cause and effect of our lives. This ownership you talk about is we have the audacity, I notice, to try anything in life. Your amazing story about your, um, what was your, what was your, um, your title? Master Corporal? Master Corporal at that time, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and they was, asked yeah. you to do that. And you and you have the audacity to go into it. Instead of saying something, Curtis, and this is me talking, not you. I'm just utilizing your incredible story because sure. this is Jerome doing the same thing in a different application. But instead of saying this, you know, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be stopped by my fears. I'll jump into it, but I have you to rec- I have you guys to recognize I'm only going on the, the information I know and this system that I have to lead others. It, it, it has got no proven um, track record. There's no, there's no, there's no metrics to go off of, but I have the audacity and, and, and the gumption to go after it. I seem to have done this, Curtis, so often in my life, brother. Mm-hmm. I'm talking marriage. I'm talking career. I'm talking yeah, everything. So many, <laughs> so many. I know. Sure, I, sure. Well, but it's the struggle that we all have as men. Um, I just want to touch on this point because I thought of this story, and it's a very upsetting story in my life. This military example. Um, as a reserve soldier, I would work three, four months full time in the summer, and then I would work uh, evenings and weekends throughout the winter. So that first summer when I got promoted to master corporal, I went there and I got fired out of that position from being an instructor on the course, but they could see, I still had leadership ability. So they put me in charge of uh, what we would call the demo platoon, which was a group of people that were there to work odd jobs for the summer. So for example, if the guys were out training and they needed uh, enemy force, so you're playing, you know, you're doing a war game scenario and you're attacking, you're, you're practicing assault scenarios so you need guys cool. to play, you need guys to play enemies. So they, they didn't have much of a job and then they would just kind of play the enemy and lay there and pretend they were dead when they got shot. And the guys would <laughs> practice their drills on them and they would be out in the field, but in, on the base, I would be organizing those guys and taking them out for PT or physical training in the morning, making sure they were at their appointments. Um, they, they did things like cutting the grass for the base, 
doing odd jobs for the base for the summer, right? So they put me in charge of those. And there was maybe 20 to 30 guys that I would be in charge of for the summer instead of running the helping run as an instructor on the basic training course. So the next summer I applied for the, th- the same thing and I had gone and done some more classes and a little more teaching over the year. And the next summer I went back to a basic training course again. And as I got into it again, because their level of training and their level of understanding was so much higher than mine. And I had so little practice back at the regiment where I was from because it wasn't full time and we never really had enough practice to do it. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was very insecure and everything else. I got fired off that course again. So two years, two years in a row. And I got put back into that position, that uh, demo platoon again for the summer, which was very easy compared to running the basic training course, hardly any responsibility, and but much easier, same pay, but very, very upsetting because for two years in a row, I had tried to go on and be an instructor and ended up just being a junior leader, but not really instructing. So the third year came by, and this was when I was in my early 20s, very young, not real smart, not real mature about anything. And my training warrant got a memo from the base saying, we don't want Master Corporal Sanheim to come to our base this summer for, an, for a course because he keeps getting fired off the courses. So don't send him. So that, wow. was, that was like this slap in the face that, oh my goodness, like the commandant of the base heard about me both years and actually sent an email to my training warrant who, who basically back in Calgary is setting up the, setting up the training for the summer, telling him not to send this particular soldier because he's no good. We don't want him. Wow. That was, that was very, very hard to take. I was not a good junior leader at that point. I didn't have any. And unfortunately in the reserves, you don't have enough time to get out on training exercises in that capacity to learn what you need to learn like you would in the regular force. Sometimes, sometimes not always, but in my case, I didn't have enough experience. So it was like, wow, you just feel like what a loser, you know, what, (laughs) what am I trying to do? Like literally when you got a guy from the base, literally emailing your, your training warrant saying don't send him this year because he's gotten fired off those positions twice. We don't want the hassle. With so a big shot in the arm that can be it a was it guy. was terrible. So anyway, I stayed in the reserves and I kept training and I kept studying and I kept getting better. But <clears throat> I was a master corporal for eight years. And what's interesting is when I joined, I was a private for a year and a half, and then I became a corporal. And then I was a corporal for I don't know, another year and a half. So within four years, I got promoted to master corporal very, very quickly or three and a half years. I got promoted to master corporal because I had the ability. I just didn't have any understanding or knowledge or tenacity or any of the things that you need as a man to kind of stand up and put your shoulders back and just like Jordan Peterson would say, stand up square, put your shoulders back and to kind of fight against it. I was very immature and very broken. And so for eight years, I stayed at that rank with junior knowledge level of understanding of leadership and just struggled through it on training exercises all the time. And it wasn't until I was probably in my late 20s when, and I think this is probably part of your next question. I think you were going to ask me the third question there, but I was breaking up with relationships 
I would have a girlfriend for two or three years and then she would break up with me. I'd have another girlfriend for two or three years and she would break up with me. And this was constant throughout my twenties and it was just not working. I had good potential, just like sending me to Wainwright to do a training course. I had good potential. <laughs> I had good ability. Yep. Uh, and from the woman perspective, you know, I was in good shape. I looked good. You know, I was in good shape. I was handsome and I was charming and outgoing. And so they would be attracted and then, They'd get to know me and be like, wow, I've got to leave this guy because I, <laughs> I just wasn't myself, right? I just didn't understand and I was broken and I'd had a really so rough good. upbringing. Um, I had joined the military quite early and then uh, gone to Croatia in 1992. So when I got back from Croatia, after seeing a bunch of stuff over there, I don't know if I had post-traumatic stress or not, but I had a lot of the symptoms of that. A lot of the sadness and the brokenness and everything from my home as well. So just from my home life and from that, everything just kind of collapsed in on me in my 20s and I just got more and more dysfunctional. Couldn't put any money away, couldn't save. Then I was doing rodeo and I was spending all my money on rodeo. Uh, so I had, I really had nothing. No savings in the bank, nothing. Living check to check uh, in a very meager existence. And I was very frustrated. And then I started dating my now wife and she dated me for about a year and broke up with me as well. And finally, I realized, well, the problem is me. It's not everybody else. The problem oh is me, gosh. right? Um, and so I went to therapy. I went to a group therapy. It was a psychotherapy. Uh, and it was a group session, 10 sessions. And there was probably 12 people in the group. And I was the youngest by probably 20 years or 15 years. Everybody was quite a bit older than me, 40s and 50s, generally. And I'm sitting there for the first time in my life. I go to this group and we start talking in the first session and everybody's got problems like I do, men and women. And for the first time in my life, I thought, wow, I'm not crazy. This is people. This is just, this is just everybody's normal problems. This is not just me feeling insecure, unvalidated, not knowing what you're doing, scared, worried, afraid, all of those symptoms, all of those causes all of those things it was for the first time in my life i realized it's not just me i'm not crazy and what a revelation we, and yeah and as we <laughs> went through those classes and it was just talking about so psychotherapy versus psychology is talking about the psyche right and and the deepness of why and the understanding of why and so oh for the first time i'm like well this is why because dad you know treated me like this so then i got scared about this and then my brother used to bully me and this is why this happened. And then I go to school and get bullied and that's why I'm like this. And I have no confidence and I don't have any confidence. I have all this potential and all this ability and not confident to do anything. And, and it was like, wow, first time in my life, I saw that everybody else is struggling with these same problems. And within six months of that 10 week session, I had gotten back together with my wife, whom I now married and have been with the whole time. I got promoted from master corporal to sergeant. I won my first bull riding because I was doing rodeo. I won my first bull riding and had the confidence in my mind to do that. I paid back my student loan. Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend that I dated for a couple of years and I had owed her about 500 bucks. I paid her back. Everything in my life just shifted and I was able to function. I wasn't perfect, didn't have it all figured out, but I was able to function compared to the dysfunctional useless person that I had become. And 
So it all turned around simply because I realized for the first time in my life, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. These are struggles that are common to every man. And every man is going to go through this and we all need support and we all need help. And it wasn't that I was, and I've also realized I do need to help. And I wasn't too strong, too arrogant or too proud to admit that I needed help. And it was me. That was the problem. It wasn't somebody else. It wasn't like Adam did in the garden of Eden, blame the woman and blame God. It was like, you know what? I'm responsible for this. This is my responsibility. So, yeah. Holy brother, man. Thank you so much for, for, for just, I want every man, person, young fella, everybody, young lady to know your message because that reflection, that ownership and what you just went through, brother, I'll tell you, you've come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come a long way. It was, it was interesting. Sorry, just to to put back in the, the military story to me. I knew I had the potential to do what they were doing. I just knew that there was something wrong and I couldn't grasp it. So I could see the gaining of that ability a far way off, but I couldn't quite get there yet. So instead of getting frustrated and quitting the military, because I actually had that horrible experience where for two years I'd gone out there for the summer to do a certain task, got fired from the task and put into a lesser position to just wait out the summer. And then the third summer, I was going to go do it. And I literally got told, we don't want you here. And so that was, I guess, one of those moments of, am I going to quit or do I just get better at this? And I eventually did get better at it and learned what I needed to learn and got promoted to sergeant and did finally become what I had set my mind to do. Because that was my goal when I joined the military. I said, I didn't want to be a warrant officer. I wanted to be a sergeant. Um, Because I think that's one of the roles where you're still leading the troops, but you're not at a desk. And I didn't want to be a paperwork guy. I wanted to be leading the troops. My, my mission and my goal in life was to be, I want to be leading people by them following my back, not me behind them and yelling at them to go ahead, but me in front of them and them following me, right? That and kind it, of a leader. An, that an kind example of a leader, for right? them, right? Like, yeah. So what's so interesting good. is I had no idea that that kind of tenacity to fight it out and to not stop, even though you had failed, was exactly what I needed in every aspect of my life and exactly what we need in faith and Christianity now that I found as well. If you're going to lead men and be a mentor, you're not above them. You're with them. Uh As a sergeant, I'm not above them. My rank is above them, but I'm literally shooting my rifle and throwing grenades and using a rocket launcher right along beside them, right? I'm not (laughs) like when you're in Afghanistan and you're getting shot at, those bullets are addressed to whom it may concern. It's not just to the soldiers and the sergeant's not going to worry about it. You're all taking cover. You're all returning fire. You're all getting shot at equally, right? What a so compelling perspective, man. It's, yeah, so it's the same in Christianity. Nobody's, you know, if you're a Christian leader or mentor, you've actually got to be more transparent and more open than anybody else because you're supposed to lead by explaining, hey, I'm struggling with, lust i'm struggling with anger here's how i struggled with anger and lust and here's how i was able to overcome it and god's been helping me and so that mentoring coming alongside and i guess that military example of that great failure that i had earlier in my life i mean i'd never really even thought about it until this podcast it just came up in my mind as we were just discussing this (laughs) Um, which is good which is the whole point yeah but that's the whole point um is it brings out those moments in life where you just had such a horrible time 
and yet you were able to turn it around in the end, right? And so I think that's all of us. I think we all need to fight against those things within us and accept the fact that we need help. Awesome. That's the thing. Be humble and yet be willing to fight and just fight the right fight. Most men want to fight the wrong fight. They want to fight their spouse. They want to fight uh, guys at the bar. They want to fight their boss. They want to fight, you know, because because it's in men to fight, right? It's in men to have that aggressive stance. Use the aggression and use the aggressive stance against the right thing, right? <laughs> against yeah. failure, you know, use the fight against failure. Don't use the fight against your wife, right? That's the struggle. Well, there's right. a message there to echo what you're saying is there short-term gratification, the, 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 anything gratifying the flesh, Curtis, it doesn't work for, for, for us. And we don't recognize that. Like it, right. if you, if what, what I just heard and, and what listeners are going to hear is that humility, that honesty and transparency that you just reflected, it shows how much stronger of a man you are, Curtis. And, 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 um, how you've worked through it and, and your ability to reflect and you and I sitting here and talking about this, it, it, it just, it opened our hearts and it, I'm stronger and more confident from that perspective be, because we were conditioned the other way. And, and right. we need, to, we need to re- recognize that that system was broken. We all are insecure. We do need some ownership. I, I wanted to get into mentorship, Curtis, because mm-hmm. because there's not enough of us that recognize we have the courage to jump into things, but we've never been mentored into it. We've never asked. We 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 feel ashamed, scared, nervous, insecure to go to an, uh, somebody with a bit of knowledge and experience in this in this avenue and say man, I'm struggling with this right now. I, I've been asked to do this or, 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 or I'm, I'm going to be a new father and, and, and I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. You know, like, and at that moment, someone like you coming along, a Christian leader, a, a, a guy that's been through this, the, the military experience, like a man that was insecure and everything. And you say, brother, come with, let me tell you how it's worked for me. I was right there. And, and we and men start going into their story, Curtis, and we're what you had said earlier. It's a common denominator. We're all the same and we're no longer. We all have the, yeah, we all no have the same master struggles. Master corporal yeah. and this, that and the other thing, which are great titles for men. But it's not the title that makes the man, obviously, Curtis. Yeah. It's a guy walking what? with those shoulders back and saying, I have the tools, the, the knowledge and a mentor to show me how to be strong through this challenge. Well, you know what? Yeah. You know, what's interesting about mentor, what you're bringing up there is, you know, uh, businesses need business coaches sometimes, and then they excel. But women who have businesses will take business coaches on men who have businesses like, ah, I can do it. Yep. Right. And so their businesses will fail. So within the first six years, five years of a business trying to operate, they typically don't make it. They don't even make it past the second year mark. Most of the time, if it's run by men, generally in some of the smaller businesses, because they won't, they won't take mentoring or business coaching. If you go to a gym and you really don't know what you're doing and you get a personal trainer, you'll excel. Like it's really that simple. If you have somebody teach you, but if you're too proud and arrogant, you just want to do it yourself and you're doing all the wrong techniques and you're doing deadlifts incredibly wrong and you end up straining your back and hurting yourself, then you can't work out. 
if you'd have just had a coach showing you how to do it properly. And so the whole struggle is this, are we going to be humble enough to accept the help? So good. And, and it makes us better. And that's one thing I did like about the military is you had a, a private being taught by a corporal and a master corporal. You had a corporal and a master corporal being taught by senior master corporals and sergeants. And you had sergeants being instructed by warrants and, uh, and officers. And all of those guys had been there in that rank first. You don't become a sergeant unless you've served in all the other ranks first. So that's the whole point. You can't be a good master corporal if you've not been a good private and a good corporal. Nobody's going to promote you if you don't excel at just doing the basics that you've been given at the beginning. And so in life, if you can't get relationship, money, and work down, you're not going to get anything else. It's really that simple, right? Relationships, money, and work. I mean, that's our, that's our main things in life, right? So if we can't get that, so, so we need mentoring is not being above. Like I said, mentoring is explaining to guys, I'm where, you know, I was right, this, I did this. I was right where you were. I was in the bars and partying and drinking and insecure. And why? Well, because of this and this, and then they go, oh, that's very similar to my story. And then suddenly they realize, wow, this guy's been where I've been. <laughs> and if this guy's even been remotely where I've been, there's a connection there. And they're like, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. And he's no better than me. And I'm like, exactly. I'm not any different than you. And if I can, you can. So we're all the same and we all have similar struggles. We have different uh, backgrounds and different things that we've done, perhaps. Different jobs that we've worked, different relationships, different countries that we've lived in, different cities. But our struggles are all the same. None of that has changed. So so good, man. <laughs> This is always, <laughs> it's amazing the way this works out. And, and it, mm. it really opened my heart. Brene, Brene Brown is a, is, has been a researcher for a long time. I, I've been watching her a bit and, and I was advised to do so. She says, daring greatly in the arena. And why I, I bring that up is, is you, you're a good man and an influencer and a Christian leader. But it's, it takes some courage and to be daring to be able to be authentic and talk about and be vulnerable and talk about where you are at, Curtis. But why you can do that, I, I believe, and, and what's compelling me to do it is how much value it can add to others in this world. Because there, it, what exciting times it's going to be when we see as possibly if I can throw myself into the influencer ring or into the leader or, 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 or mentor ring someday, Curtis, it'll be, I can catch them at a time when I didn't even know to ask that question when I was right. struggling through it. And if there is some aha moment and they can take a little golden nugget from my experiences and there's a breakthrough Curtis and they have some kind of, and they short or they, they streamline um, instead of the 10 years it took me to bang my head against the wall and they only did it in two years, I'd be a pretty excited man. And I, I, I think, Absolutely. you know what I mean? And I, I think I'd, I, I, I would you know, be pretty excited about it is what I'm trying to say. And, Amen. And... <laughs> so, so courage is, is very important as men. We need to be courageous. Um, and I'll give you an example. So I started riding bucking horses in rodeo 
going to rodeo practices and riding saddle bronc horses as well at the same time in my early 20s as a sport. And I was always afraid to bull ride because bull riding was very fearful because it is it's scary, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I grew up I grew up training horses. Dad dad trained horses on the side. So I've been riding horses and I've been riding horses that bucked ever since I was a little fella, you know, maybe 10, 12, 13 years old, started riding a little more of the aggressive horses. And we had a little pony that always bucked us off that we learned on as kids. And so I've been around bucking horses and it was no big deal. I, I wasn't as afraid. But then a friend kind of dared me into riding bulls and uh, I entered a bull riding and ended up taking fifth place in my first bull riding. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm really good at bull riding. I wasn't as good at riding bucking horses as I was bull riding. So the nervousness though of bull riding was it's very fearful. And I did that for about, I only bull rode for probably three and a half, four years. And I rode saddle bronc horses for about 10 years. So I did 10 years of rodeo in total. And uh, the, the fear and the conquering the fear is really what bull riding to me was. Because when your mind is too afraid, you make mistakes and you fall off. When you're confident and you're riding, you can make proper decisions and turn your body the right way and stay on. And you've only got a few seconds to do this. And so if you're not confident and you're too afraid or too fearful, you're going to fall right off, which happens all the time. You'll see the bull come out and he doesn't make some big spectacular move. He kind of makes one jump and, but he falls off and you're kind of thinking, wow, what the heck was that all about? Like that wasn't even hard yet. He hadn't turned or bucked or spun or nothing. He just kind of jumped which is a simple move. Why, why do people fall out? It's, it's our mind that throws us off. <laughs> and that's always what it was with every bull ride was not about your facility, your, uh, your abilities, your physical abilities. It was about your mind, your faculty of your mind and conquering that fear. So now how do we translate that into regular life? Cause not everybody's going to be a bull rider and be able to conquer fear and nobody, not everybody should, it's dangerous. Uh, but let's say, Let's say you get laid off from a job. I got a friend who got laid off last January and he's still looking for work and he hasn't been able to find it. Fear is putting out another resume, you know, to be able to overcome that, to go to another interview. So cool. What an awesome you know, to, analogy. To, yeah. To be able to, you know, and, and the wife's frustrated because he's, you know, sometimes what they'll do instead is they'll, they'll watch movies and play video games and drink beer and stay in the house instead of, instead of getting out. And so, again, it's just a simple thing, but to have the courage after you've tried for two or three months to get work, everybody's turning you down, to have the courage to keep trying. That's courageous. Um, let's say I just talked to a guy yesterday who's an alcoholic, and he's a recovering alcoholic, and he's doing much better. And I just baptized him a couple of weeks ago. He's turned to God, and he's having a move towards, towards the Lord. And he's... Uh, from a country that is tradi traditionally drunkards. The entire country is known for being drunk all the time. That's the way they are. It's their culture. And mm -hmm. so he's got this cultural background to fight. He's got a family of alcoholics to fight. And so he's a middle-aged guy and trying to fight that out of his life. And I said, well, how often do you drink? He said, well, I, I drink maybe every three, four months now. And I, I just got drunk the other day. And, you know, my girlfriend's all mad. And I said, well, how often did you drink before? Well, every day. And then every week, and then it was every weekend, and then it was, well, once a month, and now it's once every three months. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Great stride. Like, that's fantastic. Great stride. So, so the courage is 
just not having a drink every day and having a drink every week and then not having a drink every week and having it every month and then not every month and having it every three months. And so that in itself is progress. So there is courage there. And so that's what we can find as men and encourage each other. Those little gains are still gains. Awesome. Those, those little gains are still moves, right? They're pro- profound. Right? We don't even honor our intentions. They're so profound. And we've, <laughs> got to look at, we've got to look at our lives in segments of years instead of segments of weeks and months. Because I might have a bad month. I might have a bad week. I might have a bad couple of days in a row of habits that I used to do or whatever. But if I look at myself and go, okay, five years ago, I was so bad. Or two years ago. I was really bad. I'm way better than I was five years ago and two years ago. And so take your life in incremental changes and make the changes and be courageous. Even if it's going out for one more resume, one more job hunt, one more interview, one more no. You know, if it takes a thousand no's to get a yes, do you quit at 900 or do you keep going? Right. Hmm. We all know, we all know the story of the guy who invented the light bulb. And I think I've heard that story. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have the number correct, but he tried it a thousand times and he got the light bulb finally to Did, work. Didn't they say 10,000? Or whatever it was. It was, whatever. it was a lot of times. It's, and it's so, again, amazing. you just keep trying and trying and trying or you quit, right? And so, <laughs> and, and, but that's not, that's kind of a distant, but I think if we just kind of make it very, very simple, like the fellow that I just talked to yesterday that's not drinking very often anymore. Yep. That's, that's much more tangible example. Yep. Because to me, that's everyday life. Um, you know, Jordan Peterson, I listen to him a lot. And he says, let's say you play video games four hours a day. If you try to cut yourself off from four hours of video games a day, you go crazy. You might not be able to do it for about a week. And then you'll just have a binge where you play like 12 hours for three days in a row and miss work. So instead of cutting yourself off horrifically like that from something you enjoy, he says, just say, look, I'm going to cut it down to three hours a day. See if I can shave an hour off or half an hour take a half hour off my plate time. So I have more time for other things. And then in a month, if you've done a half hour off every day, and then a month later, you try an hour off every day. And then three months, you, you try to do two hours less a day. Next thing you know, you're only playing video games or watching movies two hours a day. And you've got an extra two hours a day to do reading or exercise or something else. And so you think, okay, well, that's kind of a dumb way of doing it, but, but it's not, it's courageous. Because you're challenging yourself, but you're not overdoing the challenge. And I think that's the problem we have with New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to do this. Yeah, but you've never worked out at all in your 300 pounds. You can't go to the gym with all those people in their little outfits and look like them. And then you get discouraged and you quit. So going for a walk for 15 minutes a day, maybe that's a good start, right? So you just take incremental challenges and challenge yourself to be courageous as a man. You don't have to be climbing a mountain in six months, right? It might take six years, but you got to start the process. So. Wow. Amazing. I want to just echo one thing that you said there. There are two neurologists, they're doctors and they're Christian men. Right. Or share their beliefs about uh, what's strong in their life. And what compels them but they talk about the subconscious mind dr joe dispenza i've read and dr joseph murphy and they say the subconscious mind goes to work to find things that you enjoy more and more and to echo what you're saying is when if we're incrementally taking away maybe what we think has been destructive and we're not managing 
Curtis, we inadvertently don't recognize that your mind right, loves right. it and goes to work to find more of it. So when you introduce, if you do back off a beer, Curtis, and introduce one push-up, and your and your mind says recognizes mm. that you love this, right. you know what your mind says? I want to find more of that. And inadvertently, the subconscious mind, without us recognizing, and 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 this is a whole new subject, but they say the subconscious mind is our is our spirituality, it is our soul. It is. It's going to work to look for what we love, what we enjoy, and it will continue to work on finding that for us. So I just wanted to throw that in there. It just, it just popped in my brain as you were, as you were well, sharing that. Well, it's interesting on that um, line. Here's a scripture. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now that's contrary to the world because the world says, oh. you know, follow your heart and it's the other way around where your treasure is heart so whatever you treasure cherish or put activity on, that is what your heart wow. follows so your heart your soul your spirit and your subconscious follows the thing that you choose it's not the other way around you don't get to pick it you you pick it and you choose it and then that so is what now becomes your focus so i chose i chose rodeo and rodeo was actually very detrimental nice because it took all my money. I wasn't winning. I wasn't that good at it. And it took all my money and it was something that I followed. And so it was where my, it was my treasure. And so my heart was following after it. Whereas it would have been better not to do it. It would have been better to do something else, do a little bit of rodeo in the summer and do a few rodeos and do something else with my money. I could have saved and I could have, you know, been more successful uh, financially, for example, if I'd have not have pursued that. So there's these, I guess I've got more failures in my twenties that taught me how to be a better man than any successes that I had. And our failures teach us more things yep. than probably most times our success. I got an amazing, amazing brother that I'm going to bring on here to talk about um, uh, financial literacy and good, wealth good. and stuff. This guy is just killing it, Curtis. And, and I can't wait to get him. Um, you know what? I want to summarize by saying I'm so grateful for the opportunity with you, man, and, and, and all and building our relationship together. And I, and I know how great we're going to do. This is my faith, Curtis, I believe. And you talked about choice and, and where, where I'm, I'm getting a great feeling about my faith is I, I chose not to go this alone because I recognize it's actually producing the opposite results of what I set out for. And these choices did, uh, didn't offer me the tools and the resources to strive through the difficult times and achieve my best. Uh, so serving others and, and really knowing now that he has a plan for me, Curtis, uh, and putting people like you in front of me and, 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 and as we go along, uh, this is hopefully what others are going to get messages from. And, and I can't thank you enough um, for being so transparent and, and being so authentic. And, and uh, I love you, brother. And I just want to grow more with you and, and, and your good teachings. And, and w before we finish, thank you. Thank you so much again. Where can we find you, Curtis, if we need to? And if other um, people I've want got to reach out to company, you, brother. Of course, I've got a painting company now. I've painted throughout my 20s, like I said, when I was uh, doing all those other things. So veteran painting incorporated 
in Canada, veteranpainting.ca. Uh, that's my website. You can email me there. Get a hold of me there. Yeah, veteranpainting.ca. Sweet. Awesome. Um, just for listeners and, and, and anybody who, who comes on here and, and figures this would be good for them, it is men need to talk. There'll be more people like Curtis. I'm going to share more with Curtis because I need his support and his mentoring. He's awesome for me, and, and I'm going to keep going with this because I think it's, it's, uh, it's doing good, and I just want to keep doing good. And uh, Manuel, it's been good brother, to talk, and uh, I don't care what everybody blessing. else says. You're actually a pretty good guy. <laughs> good. <laughs> That's right. I knew you. That's I knew good you in couldn't there. It's good. On a note without you throwing a little jab. So <laughs> we need to uh, encourage each other and be there for each other. And um, you know, it's funny. One last thing is, men like to tease each other. Men tease all the time and bug each other. A lot of us who were bullied can't stand that. I can't stand being teased. Right? Saying you're a good guy. I don't care what everybody says. I think that's okay because that's not teasing, but. I think as men, we need to knock off the teasing and start encouraging and being friends with each other in a, in a better way, an encouragement, right? Yeah, I know myself, I, I had to stop Great bugging message. people because it drives a wedge. They might not say it, but it drives a wedge. You bug somebody about their height, their weight, their hair, something, it just immediately goes to their heart, right? So we need, we need encouragement, not ribbing and teasing. So, yep. yeah. Right on. That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, I, I just think um, the encouragement part of it is such a cool message because um, it doesn't matter where you are in your life. Um, recognize that there's Absolutely. support. There's people that have been through it. We can keep going and keep growing and keep learning. And we're going to give back so that guys can have the tools and resources to to live their extraordinary life. And with help from guys like you, Curtis, I, I know uh, we can reach out and add value. So uh, this is more than a blessing to uh, have you and me uh, do this. And, and uh, awesome, I'm a better awesome. man today for Talk it. To thank you so much, my buddy. Awesome. Okay. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Thanks. God bless.